Join me, Chelsea Erson, on season three of my podcast, Dear Young Rocker. Tune in to hear some of my favorite musicians tell stories from their awkward musical beginnings, reconnect with the teenager they used to be, and remember what it's like to fall in love with your favorite band for the first time. Listen to Dear Young Rocker Season 3 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Standing up for what you believe in is something we are all taught to do. It sounds easy in theory, right? But what if it goes against what all your friends are doing? What if it goes against what your teacher and your school is doing? You have a realization that you're different and you're going to be treated different. When someone is going to the beat of their own drum, when they don't depend on checks and balances or the approval of others. He would frequently do racist impersonations and use racial slurs. And nobody spoke out. You're going through life and it's tough. But what's going to happen to you? How do you get through it? Does anyone even understand? I wish someone could tell me what to do. Hi, I'm Samantha Logan, and this is We Got You, a podcast for kids whose hard questions are answered by the older teenage kids who have already been through it. So just for anyone listening who needs to understand, in California public schools, every fourth grader is required to build a replica of a mission as representation of California's history. A mission is part of how California was colonized in the 1800s by encouraging or forcing Native Americans to live in settlements and convert to Christianity. So my guest today is Isabella, an 18-year-old teen who is Native American And in the fourth grade, she not only stood up to her school's curriculum to fight for teaching the truth about missions, but she honored herself, her beliefs, and her community in the process. My name is Isabella. I'm 18 years old. I'm from Temecula, California, and I'm enrolled in the Cahuilla Band of Indians and I'm of Turtle Mountain Chippewa descent. So I think growing up for me, I was very much immersed in my own identity as a Native person. Um, We have these bird songs, these sacred story songs um, that tell stories of how we got to our homeland. And I grew up dancing to these songs and hearing them and, and listening. And that was a super important part of me. And then as a child, you can be um, wary of sharing that with kind of a mainstream audience. I remember kind of feeling a little scared that maybe these, you know, these very precious things would kind of be ridiculed or criticized by my classmates. And I I definitely um, remember feeling that when I was pretty young. There were times in my life, you know, when I really did just want to be normal. And I think especially in middle school, um, a lot of us feel that pressure to fit in and to conform and to not be different in a weird way. But as I got older and realized kind of the importance of culture in my own identity, that was really a source of strength for me in finding my own identity and realizing that it was so important to be authentic.
in every school in California, they have some form of the mission project where um, these fourth graders are asked in groups to construct a mission and to show how they would build it. And it's this huge project and very symbolic of fourth grade to many people. When the Spanish were colonizing California, um, they built these missions, which are, you know, kind of like churches, almost religious places. Um, and they used Native American slave labor to construct the missions and to convert them. The story is that they lived in peace and that they wanted to be there, which is terribly inaccurate. As it was later said, kill the Indian, save the man. It was a really awful place for many natives. It wasn't a peaceful place. I think a third of the California Indian population died as a direct result of the missions in California. And so as a fourth grader, to be asked to reconstruct that if you have any sort of indigenous identity is very jarring and uncomfortable because a lot of the times your teacher has no idea uh, of these facts. And, and so when you're a you know, fourth grader and you feel like you know more than your teacher, but you don't have that same authority. It's very uncomfortable and um, it can really, I think, be angering. I was so confused about why why this was seen as okay. Like, didn't these people understand? And I think maybe they didn't. I remember when I was asked to do this project, I didn't think it was right. I didn't want to do it. And so I went home um, to my family and we kind of talked about it. I decided to create a refuge, which more of a kind of sanctuary. And uh, it was, you know, me reclaiming that as an indigenous person, kind of saying, no, you know, I'm not going to build a mission. So we created the little um, houses and things like that. But it was all, you know, indigenous presence, um, which I think was very important because that definitely gets erased by the missions. The other part of this project is that it's a partnership. I was partnered with this other young girl um, who is not Native um, and who was a Christian. So I remember just as a fourth grader going up to her and saying, okay, we're not going to build a mission. We're going to build a refuge and here's how we're going to do it. You know, she totally went along with it and uh, her family was very supportive. I think it felt very dehumanizing and, and I remember feeling a little angry that no one else had taken it upon themselves to really understand what the missions were and of course I understood that they were fourth graders and you know it's a lot of it's what your parents teach you so I felt personally very empowered in sharing my alternative but I also you know was sad that I was the only one and also the only native I think even at that really young age, um, what I notice a lot of the time is that when you have to kind of sacrifice a part of yourself or a part of your identity to kind of fit in better, you do end up losing a little bit of that, you know, self-worth and that self-value. But I think that one thing that can be very empowering, and it certainly was for me, was that knowing that the problem was not within myself. Because I wasn't fitting in with this, um, mainstream narrative, it didn't mean that there was something wrong with me. I think as a young kid, when um, you don't totally understand identity, and I think middle school is a huge time for everyone, um, is very confused by who they are and who they want to be. That kind of desire to be normal to be like everyone else um, does make me feel like I found fault within myself that whenever I wanted to speak up or say something, you know, that was just me 
as being problematic or something. And I think um, that's what a lot of kids can feel too. The way you look, you know, the color of your skin. If you're not white, you're already different. And, you know, just trying to be like, okay, well, I'm obviously, I don't look white. So am I gonna try to take on that Western worldview and change that about myself instead? No, that's, that's something that, you know, it'll never work for me um, because of the values I hold. And you know what, I'm just gonna do what I wanna do, do my own thing. And what I've discovered is that when you stop trying to conform and you really embrace who you are and um, you share your story, people really um, are drawn to that. Uh, people really wanna hear what you have to say and um, you become so much more interesting. Even if you do have diversity, I think, you know, it doesn't really change anything on a meaningful level unless we're kind of dismantling these oppressive structures and we're really having these tough conversations. They need to start when you're nine, when you're 13 years old, because that's really when you're starting to understand the world. It's really important that you discover, as soon as you can, kind of the story of who you are. I think it's so important that you understand being authentic is, you know, one of the best things that you can do for yourself. You know, not being ashamed of being different or um, not conforming. If you speak out, it'll end up being more rewarding in the long run. And um, don't try to be something you're not. Don't be afraid to disrupt. And it's really empowering to share your perspective and your story and it's really taxing to try to hide it. You're not defined by a single experience that happens in your life. So find out what makes you really beautiful and what makes you excited to move on. So now is the part of the show where we take questions from you out there. We asked you on our Instagram account, We Got You Show, to submit anonymous questions about any and all your issues, and we had lots of responses. Thank you, and keep that up for the coming episodes. Our audience-submitted questions are about sticking up for yourself. For today's panel of experts, Isabella is also joined by Heron, a teen featured later this season. Here is the first question. Do you feel afraid to tell your parents about what makes you insecure or something controversial that may be happening to you because there could be repercussions from them? I think for me, like with both of my parents, we've always had like a closer relationship because I kind of like let them think that I was like really responsible growing up. Um, and I was like scared that like a little bit of vulnerability would make me seem like I wasn't the child that, you know, they were raising. But I think you know, no one can be like 100%. And I think that, you know, showing that side of you and showing your emotional vulnerability as well is just like a sign of who you are and of your emotions. And I think that when I was back in middle school, I definitely wouldn't have thought that way. Um, but like keeping up a front doesn't accomplish anything. And if anything, it just helps you suffocate in your own like feelings and emotions. Yeah, definitely. In terms of like talking to my parents, I know that sometimes I wouldn't want to share all of my insecurities 
um, because I felt like they were insecurities that I shouldn't have or, or that, you know, they were insecurities that my parents wouldn't understand or um, they would think, you know, I'm being dramatic or, you know, they're not founded in things. As I got older, the more you talk through those insecurities, whether that be with your parents or with like peer friends, you kind of realize, um, you know, why maybe they shouldn't be your insecurities, why maybe, um, you know, you're, you're being a little too hard on yourself probably a common experience is we have these little insecurities, you know, whatever they may be, kind of whatever society tells you you should be. Um, and if you don't necessarily feel like you're you're matching up to those standards, um, but you don't kind of want to even admit it to yourself. But I think it's, you know, it can be really helpful to just acknowledge your feelings as, as valid. A lot of times your parents may have similar experiences to you, so they can be a great support system too. Your loved ones care about you and they want you, you know, they want you to come out and reach out to them and tell them what's going on. Um, They want you to be vulnerable with them because, you know, they love you and they care about you and they ultimately want to help you as much as, you know, you want to get better. I live in a mostly white neighborhood and I'm a Caribbean American. I want my friends not to be afraid to talk to me about my race, but I feel like they are and I feel dumb for bringing it up. But I also feel like I'm not seen. What do I do? Well, number one, you are not dumb for bringing up. It's, you know, a really valid concern, especially considering, you know, where you're from. I think I'm really grateful to have grown up in a very diverse area. Um, But, you know, coming from like a community being like almost all like completely white and, you know, not having like my own like cultural roots and friends um, for a lot of my life, I think that, you know, it's hard. And I think it's also scary thinking about how they might react or, you know, what they might say. And I think it's just, you know, a matter of um, understanding how important your identity is to you and how, you know, your culture and your ethnicity and just who you are and how integral that is to, you know, not just the way you look, but the person that you are. If your friends like don't understand that right away, like that's, And I think that you can really like educate them as well. Um, And if they do end up, you know, like thinking that you're weird for bringing it up, I think that, you know, they're not like your true friends if they don't care about something that's so important to you. Yeah, definitely kind of to speak along the same lines, um, at least a lot of my school experience too, kind of feeling that otherness, maybe being in a predominantly white, you know, school situation. It can definitely be challenging because, you know, a lot of times, like maybe as one of the few people of color in the room, um, that you're perceiving things differently because a lot of times, you know, it's a privilege not to be able, not to have to think about race all the time or not to realize how important that is and how, how much it shapes the very society we live in. Right. Um, and to me, you know, my background is very important to me, my culture, you know, where I come from. I think it can be very empowering to educate. Um, For me, I found that to be the case, Um, but I know it's also, you have to realize it's not your responsibility all the time, Um, especially, you know, being so young to kind of feel like you have to take on this burden. You know, it's the hope that, you know, it'll be your friends who will kind of realize that a lot of the responsibility is on them to self-educate. It's very hard as a young person for people to even realize that that's something they should be doing. Conforming in middle school and being like everyone else seems to be the most important thing for a lot of kids. 
how can we flip the script for kids in middle school to understand that being different, whatever it is that makes you different, is a wonderful thing? You know, when you're in that middle school age, I think there's kind of a transition period that sometimes you're going through in high school or maybe in college or maybe even older than that, where you kind of um, kind of hone in on, on what you love, on your passions. And I think, you know, in middle school, there's so much you haven't done, right? You're so young. You don't, maybe you don't even know what your passions are, what you love. Um, but I think, you know, kind of to flip the scripts and, and to change it from fitting in kind of maybe a better question to ask yourself is, you know, what do I want to say? And maybe how do I want to say it? And why am I the only person who can say it? Wow. Yeah, that's so powerful. Um, and I think, you know, talking about flipping the script, it's also just like taking the time to explore, um, like Isabella said, and I'm sure all of us can relate when we're in middle school, like we don't exactly know like what we want to do in 20 years. You know, we don't know what foods we like. We haven't tried everything yet. Um, and I think kind of seeing, you know, what you like, what works best for you, um, what you absolutely hate. Exploring is the first step to embracing your individuality and seeing, you know, what works best for you and what you really love about yourself that enables you to do something and, and be passionate about it. Okay, so I want to thank you all so much for tuning into We Got You. We Got You is a podcast that gives a voice to every kid out there who doesn't have anyone to go to for advice, who might be scared to ask their friends, older siblings, or parents for help. We're here for you. And remember that right now is just a tiny part of your life and you will get through it. Tune in for the next episode where we speak with Tatiana, a 16-year-old who had to move and live far away from her parents after her home was devastated by a hurricane. If you want a chance to have your questions answered or appear on our show, submit your questions via DM on our Instagram at wegotyoushow or visit us at wegotyoushow.com. If you need to speak with someone about any issue you are facing, Youthline is a hotline you can call for help 24-7. Dial 877-968-8491 or text teen to teen to 839863. We Got You is sponsored by a grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with special thanks to PRX and Tracks for Support. Production assistant is Carolina Garrigo. Theme music by Dima. Original composition by Dimitri Libman, Ollie Chang, and Guy Brown. Music edit, sound design, and mix by Rob Ballingle. Dialogue edit by Michelle Medias. And music supervision by Justin Morris. We Got You is created, written, and produced by Hallie Petro and Brandon Leganke in association with Sonic Union NYC. Till next time, this is Samantha Logan saying, we got you. Support for Tracks comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. This is Tracks from PRX.